is this weird or what? We're going to have a uh, context lesson. This gets us rolling this morning, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a two-lesson day, which is, you know, un- unusual. But David said that we don't have a Sunday night service, so maybe we should just start doing this. We just do two of them, get it done. All right. Uh, the context thing is we we have a we gather together we have church we have uh, a service there are things that we are engaged in as a body of Christ and those things have some history and they fit somewhere in the course of uh, the cosmic direction that God has in mind so his plan his purposes and what he's trying to do so we're going to hit it with Uh, This, to start with, Colossians 1, that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we live in the light, kingdom of the son. The kingdom of darkness is the other side of this. So there are two distinct kingdoms mentioned in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Separate, different. One is going to offer life, the one with light. The other one is darkness. And different realm of things that are unfolding on that side. Then... This is his son. This is the kingdom of God's son, the one who, who loved us, who was willing to come and die and go through the things that he's gone through for our benefit. So that's, that's that side of this uh, picture of the, the context in which we live. So the beginning here, let's go with that one. You start here. We had this creation, and that was paradise. Paradise was the beginning of all these things. God created, and he said, man, this is good. This is so good. I've got, I've got my people here. I've got a world in which they can live. I've got good things for them, good things to eat, good things for them to do. And he said, not only is it good, when he wraps that up in Genesis, he says it is very good. So he's laid out this perfect uh, environment for which or in which he can have a relationship with his people. So his people are there connecting, interacting. They have a, a uh, relationship. He's speaking with them. The, the heavenly being as well. So it's all of his family, the heavenly family that he has, the the uh, earthly family, the human family that he's created. Paradise is the beginning of this incredible uh, adventure, relationship, and all of it has come together. Then it's lost, paradise lost, because of uh, the serpent comes along and says, you know, is God really looking out for you? Maybe not as much as I am. And so they go, well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Let's just go with you. So that loses, paradise is lost as a result of rebellion against God. So that's human rebellion that sets the pattern for the things that are about to come. So it goes from things being organized and very good in God's perspective to you've got to go out in the world and it's broken 
and now you're separated from me. So difficult times have come. And that's, you, made, you made a bad decision to go with that guy. So now they're locked out. And God still. To do what he can to help people overcome this, the darkness, the thing that they've gotten into, the sin, the separation, all of that. So through the scriptures, when we read through the scriptures, we're finding these little pockets of paradise restored. Ultimately, when you read through the book of Revelation, you find out it will be. Paradise will be restored. And that relationship with God will be restored. It will come. We're just not there yet. So we've got pockets as we're working along. That's where we are. Now, we are given an a insight as to God's plan, and it comes with this. And it's the, the, so if you're in a Sunday school class and, and the teacher asks, this is the common response to whatever's going on, what does the squirrel bury, you know, in... So whatever, in Sunday school, you always give Jesus is the answer to whatever questions are asked. Well, this is, Jesus really is the answer. So here, we're going to go to this, Genesis 3.15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. This is God when he shows up. The serpent has caused this uh, rebellion, and the people have joined with him and turned away from God. So that's what's happening in this, as God addresses them. And he says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So that's the first indication we have in Scripture in Genesis 3.15 telling us that God is sending help, that he's going to deal with the evil, the evil, evil serpent, the evil system, the evil chaos, the rebellion from the divine beings, all of that's right here. And he, he will strike your head, the, the offspring of the woman. It's not the offspring of humanity. It's not the offspring of Adam and Eve. It's the offspring of the woman. So who in history do you know was born just of a woman? There's just one. So Genesis 3.15 gives us a clue. That's coming. Not yet, because this, this is written way back. But he's given that. So Jesus is the answer. He's coming, but we, we need to look at what we're dealing with when we're dealing with this reality that's around us. So these are the entities, the entities, and you're not alone. So this is, this is what we're going to walk through in just everyday life. And this is, if, if you are a total materialist, then only the physical reality exists, and that's all that matters. Only the laws of science in this realm, in the physical realm, are the only things that matter to you. If you look at a wider spiritual view, a cosmic view, a biblical view, much, much more going on. And that's what we're going to find out here, the entities. Uh, God, God the Father, uh, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can trust him. We can look to him. He's going to do what he's already planned to do. He's already told us what he's going to do, and he's going to bring that about. So that's coming. But we've got this unseen, for the most part, we don't see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're trusting him. We see his his, uh, handiwork all around us. We can sense him in different ways. And then once in a while, he allows us to... uh, 
to view him as well, but he's interacting, and he wants to have this relationship with us. So that's uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The divine beings, a different set. These are the creatures and the beings that God created before the earth, before this universe, and before human beings. These, these are the ones who existed already. They were there at creation. They sang songs. They were excited about what God was doing. And then there were some who got jealous of of humans getting way too much attention and they they decided to disrupt things but divine beings so it's heavenly creatures angels cherubim seraphim and you'll read these different places different scriptures or different books divine counsel and they they're loyal to god so that's going to be a whole group of beings that are divine beings that are and they're connected to and and loyal there's another group who, not so much, the rebel divine beings who are disloyal to God, and that's the serpent you met in Genesis and tempted Eve and the whole thing starts. The serpent in Revelation 12, he's called the devil, the dragon, um, and we know he's Satan, so you know, he, he gets uh, tagged with all of that. So there is an individual divine being of uh, immense power who was, that's his part in all of this. And he is out to destroy you. He is not equal to God in power. He's created being. He just wanted to take over the throne. He doesn't have the power God has. He doesn't have that authority. He doesn't have, he can't be everywhere present. God can. There. He's distinct. He's just a he's a created being, one we should not mess with. But he's a created being. Elohim, you may see in the notes sometimes, or the uh, a little letter next to the word um, somewhere in in your Bible when you're reading along, and, and it may be a, a demon, but it'll be a disembodied spirit of some sort. And those Elohim can be applied to. God, capital G, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because, uh, well, not Jesus anymore. He is an embodied, but the disembodied spirits, the disembodied, non-physical, not of this earth connected beings can be called Elohim. So even Samuel the prophet, when he dies and he comes back, when he comes to speak to Saul, when the witch of Endor calls him, he comes back and he's called an Elohim because he's a disembodied human spirit coming up from the depths. So Elohim are out there, but these are the negative rebellious ones. So they're called that. Also, it will have maybe gods, little G gods or demons next to that. Unclean spirits is another term that Jesus uses. So there, there are these beings who are opposed to you that's why we started with Colossians, and, and Paul is just putting that, you know, summing it all up, saying there's the, here's God's kingdom, and here's the kingdom of darkness, and I'm bringing you out of that one into this new kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son, and you get to be part of that. So it's, that exists around us even in the physical world. Ecclesia. That word is the one, that's the Greek word for what we call church. The idea is it means to come out of, that God has called and Jesus has called people 
together out of the world, out of the other nations, out of the rebellious people who, have, who aren't interested. They, they live in the kingdom of darkness. And he said, I've called you out to my kingdom to be part of this, the church, this, this thing that I'm building that I want to put together. And uh, the ecclesia is a place for honoring God, building up God's people, and destroying the enemy. When we gather together, when we do what we're doing and proclaim with loyalty and with love that God is the Most High, that Jesus is to be honored and to be praised. When we do those things, it spits in the eye of the rebels, and they're watching, and they hate it. So if you know that, and you're getting ready to go to uh, an event, even a Sunday morning service. And you go, why is it that Sunday morning is more difficult than getting up to go to work or school? What is it about that that is so crazy? And how many things come up when we have spiritual dimensions retreat? We go out for the weekend. All kinds of things will happen that week to people just trying to get there. Why would that? Why, what difference? It's just another weekend not to those guys not to the unseen spirits who are opposed to anyone being a part of what god is trying to do so ecclesia the holy spirit is is uh part of this here's all the elements are going to be part of the holy spirits they're the word of god the prayer to god we're going to, we include that the praise and thanksgiving to god the fellowship and god so let me go through those holy spirit galatians 5 19 to 23. I want to give you some um, background on this. The, we're called out of darkness into light. So the contrast is there. We're supposed to be overcoming the, the part that drags us down so that we can relate better to God, relate better to others, relate better to God's creation. All of, all of that's part of this. So in Galatians 5, he outlines that. And he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't be tripped up. You won't be drugged down. You won't be sucked in to that spirit of chaos, to the darkness. You won't follow your sinful nature. You won't. So he follows it with, here's how you can tell the difference. We've gone over this before, but let's do this again. This is from Galatians 5, 19 to 23. When you follow the, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, replacing God with other gods or other things, sorcery, which is witchcraft and uh, drugs, because it was all wrapped up into that thing. The whole word for sorcery is pharmakeia, from which we get pharmaceuticals. Hostility, this is toward each other. Quarreling, I mean, if you're quick to fight, quick to argue, quick to, there you go. Jealousy, oh, they got something I don't have, or I just can't believe they would, you know, my, my wife, husband, house, car, something's being threatened, my position, my whatever. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, just blowing up, driving at home, well, I'm just hungry. No, you're walking in the flesh. Well, I'm just 
No, you're sinning and you have rebelled against the living God. That is what you're doing. But my outbursts of anger have a real re- You're living in a totally upside-down world controlled by Satan, and you want to justify that, believer in the living God. Don't do it. Just don't do it. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the, the results are clear. It is, that's what's happening. He goes on to uh, selfish ambition. Look at me. Look at, look at my trophies. Look at what I did. How come I don't get attention? Why I'm so mad now because they didn't give me credit for that. Wow. Dissension, anything to divide, cause problems. You hear it all the time around families go, you know, that person really likes drama. When they come to our family gathering, there's just drama. What they mean is dissension and division. That's where it's happening. Where does that come from? Sinful nature. Drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like that. That's, so he's giving us an idea. Okay, it looks like this. It, and that's part of the kingdom of darkness that goes over there. Let's talk about the kingdom of light. Let's move in that direction. What does that look like? And he says, if you live like this, uh, you're going to be walking in the Holy Spirit and produce fruit, the things in your life that will come out, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that comes out. So you've got this whole other demeanor, another way of speaking, another way of thinking, and it's controlled by the Holy Spirit. We are called out of darkness into the kingdom of light, And he's saying, I've got something so much better for you. You can get rid of the chaos. You can have love and joy and peace. I don't like that. I like drama. I like division. I like being jealous. I want my way right now. And I am mad about it. And just think of how many times in your Christian life you've decided that was better than love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Go. We've been called into the kingdom of light. So the word of God. So what's happening? Here's 2 Timothy 4.2. Paul is writing to his, his buddy Timothy, and he says, keep doing this. Preach the word of God. What's that? That's the thing we have in the scriptures. That's the thing that God is leading us in when, when Jesus, uh, through the Holy Spirit, is giving us insight. Speak the word of God to the people. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. So find the good teaching. Find out what God is doing. Not This isn't, I need a theme, you know, the five steps to better self-esteem. Is that God's word or is that something that you came up with because you read a book from somebody recently? What is it that is God's word? That's what... We are representing the kingdom of light, which means we move into a whole new realm of these things. There's the prayer to God, help. Uh, prayers are when we go to the Lord, we're looking for help or guidance or healing and blessing. So when we group, we gather together, we are, according to Matthew 18, 20, where two or three have gathered together, there I am in their midst. And you go, okay, cool. Now he's here. And we are told, like James 5, somebody's sick, let them go to the elders. Have the elders pray for them so they can be healed. Wow, there's steps involved. There's healing involved. 
I thought I just had to go to urgent care. Yeah, I'd do that too, but it's pretty clear what God says. I will come and I will hear those prayers when you come, when you come to me. So we're looking for help. We're looking for guidance. We're looking for his blessing. And all of those things are offered when we gather together in a church and we're looking to him to bring those things into our life because we've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The praise and thanksgiving to God. This is from Colossians 3. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. So the message about Christ, and you go, okay, fill your lives means just a tiny little bit. I'll just read a paragraph. I'm good. Fill your lives. So it's Christ in the kingdom of light. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So this, this isn't just on me. That, that's not the pastor's job or the counselor's job. This is everybody who's coming to the kingdom of light. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom you have, all the experience you have. No, all the wisdom he gives. Where do you get that? Well, you've got to go be filled with him first. Then you come at this, and he provides something extra. Sing, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So the, this joining in, there are times for psalms. These are different styles of, of Christian songs. We have lots of different styles of Christian songs in our day as well as 2,000 years ago. And he said, just be grateful. Approach this with gratefulness. Well, that's not my style of song, so I ain't singing Let's go back to Galatians 5 with that person whose sinful nature has just taken control and they have selfish ambition, dissension, division, and they are quarreling and think about it. Just think about that. Or do we join in worship with thankfulness for what God has provided, whatever style that may be? It's got to reflect him. It's got to honor him. So things from the 16th century, 17th century, songs that we would not necessarily always be drawn to, 18th, 19th, 20th. And you go, yeah, there's some good ones in there. Some of them are goofy all the way back. Whatever it is, when it's honoring him, our job is to come together with thankfulness in our hearts and praise him. And those entities who are watching, those who are of light and those who are of darkness, are watching that. We are to be loyal to the living God. So when those songs come along, we ought to be loyal to the living God and stick it to the entities of darkness. That's what we do. With thankfulness. Because they can't stand that either. They want to disrupt. They want you to feel bad. They want you to be angry. They want you to be jealous. They want you to... <sighs> it's praise and thanksgiving to God. That's supposed to be happening right here, right now, when we get together. That's what we do. The fellowship in God. 
1 John 3.10. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously, which is living right before God, doing the things we just read through, who does not live righteously and does not love other believers, does not belong to God. What do you mean love other believers? That means looking out for their best, looking out even if you have to go beyond yourself to do it. If you can't do that, there's something questionable. We just talked about the Holy Spirit produces love, number one, joy, peace. Well, I can't get along with that guy. We got some questions for you then. I don't love that person. Then we got some issues. This is the child of God. We've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to glorify him because we are in the process of honoring him, moving towards paradise found. We have pockets of it. We can enjoy it here and now. The kingdom of God is available for us. Not totally yet, but we can be part of it and we can enjoy it right here, right now. That's what we get to do as ecclesia. So, it's your turn. So prepare for God's will. We have this place. So let's open our hearts to the Holy Spirit with gratitude and appreciate the privilege of being able to get together to, uh, to learn, to sing songs, encourage one another. David? Thanks for the context. A little different this morning. So here's some announcements. Uh, we have the holiday meal coming up on the third Sunday. So we're going to get together and have our typical holiday type meal. And there's been a sign-up sheet in the back. So if you forgot what you signed up for, you might take a look at that. And if you haven't signed up for something, go back there and sign up. And um, Go ahead and show up, even if you can't bring anything, and uh, we're going to get together and have a good time sharing a meal together, and then after the meal, we will have our annual meeting for 2023, and uh, look at uh, the future of what God's doing here and what he's done in the past, and uh, we also have Advent starts December 3rd, so um, we'll start having some Advent stuff. Um, we have some prayer requests. Martha has the flu, so we'll be praying for praying for Martha. And uh, Les has some friends, and I'm going to let him explain his friends, and actually he's going to pray for them too. Go ahead, Les.
Thank you, Les. All right. I think that's all the announcements, and I'll just... Uh, oh, you got one? That's right. If you didn't see the email, Walt passed away on Thursday. And um, if you don't know Walt and Karen, Karen, they're, they came here for a long time. Karen was church secretary. And um, so when are the services? We don't know yet. Okay. But when we find out, we'll let you know. And there are some donuts back there. Thanks for bringing those. Jonathan, did you bring those? <laughs> did you pick them out? <laughs> okay. And um, also, if you would uh, remember my coworker Mindy, um, she's having an, a surgery to replace her upper jaw, I believe, or at least the roof of her mouth. I think that would be the whole jaw. So she has a tumor that grows through there that's a childhood a genetic defect that. It's going to be an extensive surgery, so um, there's an email you can learn more about that. But all right, let's uh, let's start the service with prayer. Father, uh, <clears throat> also want to lift up Martha to you, and I pray that you would help her uh, recover from the flu, and uh, pray that she would be back on her feet soon. Father, pray for. Uh, Mindy Cash, my co-worker, and I just pray that you would help her um, to continue to trust in you as she goes forward to this scary surgery. I pray that you would help her to heal up well. I pray you would guide the surgeon. It's a long surgery. I pray that you would uh, give them the knowledge and the skill he needs to do this and uh, give her healing. And uh, I just pray that she'd be able to come back to, to work and work with her kids and uh, I know she has a great heart for them Father I pray for uh, Karen she's missing Walt and for the rest of the family and I just pray for them as they grieve him and uh, I just pray that we'd be able to um, offer them comfort as we can Father I pray for the service this morning I pray that you would you would be honored here I thank you for including us in your great plan. Thanks for the context that Randy has provided for what happens here at Grace Bible Church. And I just pray that we would uh, keep that context in mind as we gather this morning and every morning to, to worship you and to hear from you, to participate in the things that you are doing. And as he sings in your name, in your son's name, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. When upon life's billows you are tempestost, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, them them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Come.
count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Are you ever burdened with the Lord of care? Does the cross seem heavy? Blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Count your many blessings, see what God Savior died Down where for clear 
oh boy, we get to do more. We had um, got our context thing. We got to sing some. We prayed some. So we've got, we're underway. This is a continuation in our series for this month on thanks, giving thanks. So this is the Gratitude Apprentice Guide Foundation. So this is next next in our and the steps we're taking. So I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that comes from 1 Timothy 1.12. So we're going to read that real quick. This is Tim, uh, Paul, again, the Apostle Paul, writing to his friend Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. His approach to this is amazing, that he's coming at this with uh, the titles that he's giving to Jesus, and that uh, Jesus is, there's so many uh, connections to the history of Israel, to what God is doing in his plan, just in that line, the Christ, when we use that word, that's the Messiah, the same word, it's the Greek version of that, which has to do with the promised one who would come who would deliver, who would represent uh, the God to the people and the people to God. So he's, he's the one who's coming. Uh, Jesus is the Savior. The word is Yeshua or Yeshua or Joshua. So if you read about Joshua, then you know he's the one who was leading the people and, and uh, led them to victory. And there's a connection to that as well who is the Lord, and that is the master, the one who is in control, the one who is the CEO. He is the president, the king. You put all of those things together, and you're getting close to what he means when he says, I think Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we get to be part of this, part of this relationship, because it's him Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me the strength to do this. He's called me to do this, but he's, he's given me this strength to do his work, which is an interesting thing. He's thanking God for the opportunity to do God's work, God's agenda, God's thing. As if not, it's not his thing. It's not, well, here's, you know, this is, this is what they told me in school. I took this aptitude test. Now this is what I'm supposed to be about. And he's going, no, that's not it. This is the strength to do what God has given me to do, his work. It's a, and he's thankful for it. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. And he said, man, I can be thankful. I can, I can have gratitude. So let's talk about reality because reality is, is big. That's what affects us, what we feel, what we think, what, how we are engaged in the world around us. So. My biggest pain problem or impossibility is probably in the shoebox of my reality. That's my reality. That's my shoebox. That's what I deal with. That's what I want fixed. That's what I want to give God thanks for is whatever is in my shoebox. That's because that's, you know, that's so big. My picture of reality is more like a selfie. Tended. You know, look at what, how am I looking, how am I feeling, what I'm thinking, how how's everybody else see me? If they don't see me as 
the greatest thing on earth and, you know, we got problems and my picture of reality is more like a selfie. My attitude toward gratitude is often related to how pleased I am with my reality. If my reality is pleasant and I am being applauded, oh, I am so grateful. I get what I want for Christmas. I am so thankful. And if you're a kid and you got something for Christmas, the batteries run out, you're done. Three or four days with all the presents you get, you go, ah, that was fun, no more, it's already broken. And you go, that, no different when you're an adult. Think about relationships, cars, jobs, homes, how quickly those things tend to fade. My attitude toward gratitude is often related to how pleased I am with my reality. So Paul's approaching this from a different angle. This is connected to the Lord God Almighty and to his son Jesus. So he's looking at all of this from a different perspective. So let's look at that a little bit more. And, uh, and it's an elevated position, so we're going to take a look. 1 Timothy 1, uh, 12 to 17. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should, should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of the, his great patience, and even the worst of sinners have a chance here. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. That takes you over this whole realm of thinking. This, he's blaspheming God. God takes him and turns his thinking, his heart, his direction, so that now he serves the Lord with everything he's got. He is merciful and he is good. And he owns it. He says, well, you know, Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. Typically, you know, well, you know I, came, I wasn't that bad. You know, I went to church and Sunday school and I did a vacation Bible school and I wasn't, I just, I wasn't that bad. Anybody ever done that one? And then Jesus came along. But yeah, I really wasn't that bad. And yet, we were living in the kingdom of darkness, thinking, operating, functioning with the culture of the world around us the same way that the world does, not necessarily embracing the light or the truth to the point that it so revolutionizes our lives that we are thanking God that he has given me strength enough to do his work. So I change my, my plans, my 
priorities, my purposes now become what he wants. That changes everything. It changes the way we we look at the, the things that are around us. And he, it's just an, an incredible story of gratitude. So let me let me take this Paul's story. Um, typical Thanksgiving, when we're thinking of Thanksgiving, we are um, the things we want, comfort, success, attention, control, money, and other stuff. Doing, doing what you want to do and when you want to do it and, and with the attitude of, I deserve it. Never with the attitude of, I am the worst of sinners and I probably deserve something totally different from this. And yet, you know, you ever struggle with just trying to get there, wrestling with that? concept Paul freely said it he was so enamored with Christ when with what he does what he has done that he was fine to say I'm just the worst and yet he came to me and now he's appointed me and I give God thanks the gratitude that's flowing from this guy is so real um, so you know, we'll give thanks if we have comfort, success, attention, control, and that's mainly controlling everybody else and the weather and the, the, every, everything, Internet. But not Paul. Not Paul. He gives, he gives Christ thanks for the strength to do his work. So let's just think about what is it that we are thankful for and then what do we complain about? And what do we get angry at God about when he doesn't come through the way we want him to come through? When we have our agenda, we know we deserve better. And so we complain. He is in writing to Timothy, who's in Ephesus. He's in a jail. Paul, Paul is in a jail. Timothy's out running around uh, doing some ministry over in Ephesus. He doesn't say... In this whole letter, Lord, I am so uncomfortable and I haven't eaten in a while and it's cold. What would be the first thing we would lead with? Let's talk about this. He's talking about, this is Paul, and he is not angry at God. He is not complaining and he knows that God did not make his life easy. And this is how he explains what he's gone through. And he says, he's talking about comparing with some other, other people who have, who have claimed to have much more authority than he has. And he, he says, I've served Jesus far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And from all accounts, probably died, and the Lord brought him back. Three times I was shipwrecked. And just think about that. You're just, your ship goes down. You're in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, storms, but you're out there in the middle of the ocean. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people and the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. 
I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And my biggest problem is in my shoebox. Things not going my way. And I'm not comfortable. And I had a hard day yesterday. And, and my, I got a little ache in my knee. Beaten times without number. Without food, cold, shivering, not enough clothes left in the sea. And yet he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me the strength to do his work. So something has to happen. Here's a change. So he changed from being the worst sinner to Christ's servant. Wrong beliefs and actions changed to right beliefs and actions. That's a huge thing. He was at the top of the heap. He was the uh, Pharisee. He was a... the guy who had the most credentials, the most educated, one of the most educated in the Roman Empire at the time. And he changes his thinking and goes, you know what? Jesus is real. And there is a battle going on. And I got to get involved in this, even if it hurts. And he does. So he changes. There's a source. There's a source. He accepts Jesus and receives eternal life because of his belief in him. He's going one direction and he turned around and he says, nope, Jesus is it. Jesus is the answer. Uh, Acknowledges and honors the eternal king, the unseen one who alone is God. And you find all of these in that passage, by the way. Uh, he is acknowledging and honoring the eternal king, the unseen one who alone is God. You know, when things get tough, we get mad. We may think, well, where's God? He didn't help me. So there must not be a God. He didn't help me. Uh, Maybe I'll throw up a quick prayer, but he didn't help me. And we just keep going sideways instead of going, you know what? I'm going to acknowledge and honor the most high God, the creator of all things. I think I'm going to let go of my thing that one, the unseen one, the king. And I'm going to acknowledge him, I'm going to honor him. Appreciate that faith and love, appointments and achievements come from Christ Jesus. He's the one who came along to Paul and picked him up, the worst of sinners, and with mercy brought him in to this new relationship, turned him around. He loved him. Paul now can love others. I think he was a bit difficult to be around before. So now he's loving. He's received an appointment from the Lord in in this position that he has and the many achievements. He's not one of the original 12 apostles, disciples, and yet he writes 
the majority of the New Testament. Something happened. Something amazing happened with him. So the bigger picture, 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. There's a bigger picture. So we're giving thanks because of what God has done, who he is, and that he's allowed us into this relationship with him, not focused on my shoebox and my stuff. Now I'm supposed to pray, and he's not telling me to pray about my shoebox. Paul isn't even praying about his shoebox. He's not even praying. He's in jail, not praying about his comfort, not praying about getting a better coat, not praying that he can quickly get out, though he would like to keep doing some things. I urge you, you know, I want you to pray for everybody. Gentiles, Jewish people, the people in your neighborhood, the people who speak funny languages, the people that eat crazy food, pray for those people, all of them, all people, all the nations. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. What? Even the people in the other party? Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. See the problem with this bigger picture thing? It really disrupts our way of life. Pray this way for kings. Those are the people on top of the heap in the in the nations, the kingdoms, and who are in authority, job-wise or city-wise or whatever, pray for those. Because if they do their job well, then you can live better yourself. And you can fulfill what it is that God has for you so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. It gives us a freedom to go do what we are supposed to do because he wants us Like he called Paul, he wants us to be part of that plan. He wants to give us the strength to accomplish the work that he has for us to do. But you don't understand. I'm in a serious situation here. You don't understand my circumstances. Paul is in jail. I just read the list of stuff. He's probably hurting. You know how many times your skin can take it if you've been beaten and whipped? How painful is it to sit in a jail without proper clothing waiting to be released? And he doesn't even mention it. But he does say pray for these other people because he has a new perception. And he says give thanks for them. Give thanks to God for what he's doing in your life. Be grateful that he is doing those things in your life. Give him thanks. Not because he made your shoebox all line up. There's a bigger picture. We get to be part of it. When we identify with him, we join with him. He gives us the strength to do his thing. We get to be part of it.
part of the bigger picture. That means we can change what king's decisions are. We can change and alter authorities in various places because we join with him to accomplish his purpose. We can do it in our homes. We can do it in ourselves. It is a life-changing thing, just like it was for Paul. So we are blessed to be part of this whole thing. So here's some thank you notes. Some thank you notes. Renew your mind with an appreciation infusion. Renew your mind with an appreciation infusion. The brain works better with gratitude and thankfulness. It begins to block and harden if you turn to negativity, anger, holding on to malice, and typically being upset and stressed all the time. The brain begins, the research has been done. And this is biblical, so it's you know thousands of years old and, and was on target to start with. Renew your mind with appreciation and infusion. Uh, refresh in the grace of God, recognizing that he has accepted us. No matter what our sin, our background, our stubbornness, he has reached out his hand in love and with grace and invited us to come close, to come near him. And we can be refreshed in that grace, just like Paul was. So no matter what the circumstances, no matter how bad it gets, we are in Christ. And our lives are different. We are different. Reframe thoughts, words, and behaviors with gratitude. Reframe thoughts, words, and behaviors with gratitude. And you'll notice in these passages, just in passing, Paul keeps saying, and we thank our God. Or I thank God for you. Or I think you just read through and you go, wow, that was just there. It was just in him. Not complaining, not whining. Grateful to God for what God was doing in this world, in the cosmic reality, because he's bringing about his purposes and taking us with him. We get to be part of the process. It's pretty awesome pretty brave of God to do that, but it's pretty awesome. We get to be part of it. So I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we get to be here, that you are here, that we get to be part of what he's doing, part of the history that has extended now for 2,000 years. And there's so much more to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for the guys you appointed to write so we would have a record of these things. And Lord, we do want to be uh, people of gratitude. And we are saying that to you so that we might honor you this day. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.